0: It's Living on Earth. I'm Steve Kerwood. It all began back in 1963, when the utility company Consolidated Edison announced plans to build a power plant facility on the iconic Storm King Mountain to supply New York's growing energy needs. What it launched was a full-scale environmental battle to save this gateway to the Hudson Highlands, so treasured and so often painted by artists. Think Thomas Cole and Frederick Church. The campaigners drew on the tactics of the NAACP developed for the civil rights movement and helped launch a whole branch of environmental law. Storm Over the Mountain presents this epic history. It's part of the Sound and Story project mixed and narrated by Jim Metzner.
1: Consolidated Edison was the major energy company serving the New York metropolitan area. In April 1963, they published a drawing of a proposed state-of-the-art electric plant. Con Ed boasted that the plant would satisfy all of New York City's growing energy needs. But instead, something happened that nobody could have predicted. Con Ed applied to the Federal Power Commission for a license to build the plant. The commission in those days was as much a part of the industry as the utility companies they were supposed to regulate. So much so that when the chairman of Con Ed announced the project, he said, no difficulties are anticipated. Besides, Con Ed was proposing a plant on the Hudson, a river whose pollution was legendary.
0: But the Hudson is bad. It is really bad. I went over I saw a fisherman today. He turned his back for a second and his worm made a break for it.
2: (laughs) We had slaughterhouses dumping chicken parts into the river and blood and
1: guts. Fran Dunwell, coordinator of the Hudson River Estuary Program, grew up on the river. Communities
2: were dumping raw sewage into the Hudson. Industries were dumping industrial chemicals. It was just an industrial canal.
1: Power plants along the Hudson were not new. Con Ed's nuclear power plant at Indian Point was just 38 miles north of New York City. But this would be the first hydroelectric pump storage facility.
2: So the idea for the power plant was that they would pump river water up the mountain to a reservoir at the top.
1: That's 8 billion gallons up a two-mile-long tunnel, 40 feet in diameter.
2: They would pump it up at night when there was low demand for electricity, and they would release it from the mountaintop reservoir down through turbines back to the river during the day during peak demand
1: those 8 billion gallons of water would sit in the mountaintop reservoir functioning like a huge storage battery then the water would be let loose surging through the tunnel turning giant turbines generating electricity for new york city
2: Everybody went electric, right, in the 50s and 60s. Everybody's buying electric appliances. They're putting electric heat in their house. This is all basically happening during the day. And then at night, everybody goes to sleep. They turn off the dryer, they turn off the dishwasher, they turn down the heat, and there's a low electric demand.
1: It would take more energy to pump the water up the hill than the facility would actually produce. But it worked because they pumped the water up at night when their energy costs were low. And then they'd release the water during the day when demands for energy were high and they could charge more for it. You have to admit, it was ingenious.
2: No question about it. It was the wave of the future. That's what everybody was doing. If you wanted to be top of your game in the field of electric power, that's what you would propose. and. Here you had this big river full of water, mountains on both sides. Just the right height, just the right size.
1: The mountain was Storm King. It's 1,350 feet high, about 50 miles north of New York City. It stands like a sentinel guarding the entrance to the Hudson Highland and some of the most celebrated scenery in the world.
2: It was a mountain that had been painted by the Hudson River School of Painters. It was where George Washington had fought major battles to win the Revolutionary War. It was a mountain that had incredible significance. And that was the mountain that Con Ed chose for a power plant. So in
1: May 1963, Con Ed proudly announced in its annual report their plans to build the largest of its kind, state-of-the-art pumped storage facility. They also published an image. Betsy Pugh is a Hudson Valley resident and early grassroots organizer. And then everyone stepped back and said, good heavens, what is this? it and
2: they were aghast, you know? It was like, how could you scar Storm King it Mountain? It just took the whole this. side off the mountain and people were shocked. There was no going back from that They published that it image. with all great pride. When people saw that, they said, we can't let this happen.
1: The beloved mountain looked like a set for a science fiction movie. A huge chunk was carved out of its side to house the power plant with a transformer and a switchyard in plain view from the river.
2: So a handful of people got together and said, you know, we have to form a coalition of people to fight this.
1: They called themselves the Scenic Hudson Preservation Conference a group of 12 diverse people who had in common their passion for the river's history and beauty.
2: And they realized Con Ed was going to have to get a license from the Federal Power Commission, and that would be the only avenue they might have to raise legal issues and fight
1: the project. And so Scenic Hudson challenged Con Ed's request for a license. The Federal Power Commission, or FPC, agreed that the scenic value of the Hudson Highlands was great, The public's need for electric power, however, was greater. In 1964, Con Ed's plans to build the hydroelectric pump storage facility in the face of Storm King Mountain were approved and a license was granted. But the case had also caught the attention of Bob Boyle, a writer for Sports Illustrated and an avid fisherman. Bob had explored every nook and cranny of the Hudson and knew firsthand that the polluted river was still home to millions of fish that fed the entire East Coast fishery. Bob was passionate about the Hudson and he liked a good fight. During the FPC hearings, Con Ed expert Dr. Alfred Perlmutter guaranteed that there would be no impact on fish eggs and that the spawning grounds for striped bass were much further up the river. He also claimed that no study had been done on the Hudson River fishery since 1936. But Bob Boyle obtained a copy of a scientific paper on the Hudson written in the 50s. So, he tracked down the authors of the paper.
0: I said, I have this paper that you did, in which you found that striped bass spawned right in the vicinity of Storm King Mountain. He said, that's right. I said, uh, well, uh, Dr. Alfred Perlmutter. He said, Al Perlmutter? I said, do you know him? He said, No him. He hired us. He was in charge of the survey. I said, oh, ho, ho.
1: The fact that Storm King Mountain was the location of a striped bass spawning ground wasn't the only thing that Con Ed's expert witness got wrong. Bob Boyle also knew that pumping eggs, larvae, and young fish up a mountain and then shooting them down through a whirl of turbine blades would devastate the fish population. How
0: would you like it if I said, I'm going to shoot you up in an elevator at 100 miles an hour, and I'm going to drop you down again, and uh, I don't know how it's going to stop on the first floor. That's the essence of what was going on with the fish.
1: Dr. Perlmutter had estimated that only 3.6% of the fish in the Hudson would be killed, but he left out one thing. The Hudson is a tidal river.
0: What was critical about this is that if you had striped bass eggs in the Storm King area, they just don't go past the intakes that would suck up the water once, They'd go past it 10 times. And so instead of the phony formula that the state and Con Ed concocted, in which they said that
1: 3.6% of the fish could be killed, it was 36%. To support this claim, someone had taken photos of massive fish kills at Con Ed's Indian Point Power Plant down the river. Photos that mysteriously disappeared, feeling like a character in a spy novel. Bob Boyle tracked down copies of the photos from two men associated with the conservation department. I
0: said, how do you happen to have the pictures? They said, well, you know, our superiors came to us and they said, uh, we want the pictures you have. So they took the pictures. And then they came back a month later and they said, we want any duplicates you have. So we gave them the duplicates. And I said, what are this? They said, they didn't ask about triplicates.
1: The case had also caught the public's attention. The growing threat of urbanization was changing the American landscape. Rachel Carson's book, Silent Spring, exposed the danger of pollution. A belief in the power of the common person to organize and fight large corporations was fueling massive demonstrations. Scenic Hudson grew from a small group of concerned citizens to an organization with members from all over the country and the world they organized protests and letter campaigns but the main fight remained on the legal battlefield they hired a prominent law firm to appeal the decision to license the plant albert k butzel was one of the attorneys assigned to the case
3: i would describe myself at that point as a uh, very frightened first-year associate
1: the appellate case was heard in october 1965 Con Ed argued that Scenic Hudson did not have the right to sue. It lacked what in legal terms is called standing. In order to initiate a lawsuit, you had to have some sort of economic interest.
3: You can't just be a citizen who cares about it. You have to have some kind of legal interest. And historically, legal interests had been identified with property ownership.
1: Well, Scenic Hudson was a group of citizens without any financial interest in power plants or the mountain. Nevertheless, they persisted and asked the FPC to demand that Con Ed do a better job at reviewing alternative ways to provide electricity to New York City and investigate further the threat to the Hudson's fish.
3: And when the argument was over, I thought we had a 25% chance. But while Sina Hudson waited for the court's decision,
1: something unexpected happened.
3: The story of tonight's massive power failure in the East then on uh, november the 9th uh, the lights went out in new york it was the great blackout of 1965 and then within a day or two afterwards con edison had put advertisements into the paper apologizing for the blackout and saying if they'd had the storm king project they would never have had the blackout so from our optimism (laughs) we moved to
1: pessimism then on december 27th 1965 Al Butzel got a call from a New York Times reporter. For the first time in history, the court had reversed an FPC decision to license a
3: power plant. I was thrilled. (laughs) To win a case of this importance made me feel that uh, I was a contributor. The court agreed with Scenic Hudson
1: that the beauty and historic significance of Storm King had to be considered. The FPC was obligated to thoroughly evaluate all the evidence, including the potential danger to fish, and alternative ways to provide New York City with electricity.
3: And it remanded the case to the Federal Power Commission for further hearings saying that the preservation of scenic beauty and historic sites must be regarded as a basic concern. And the court
1: said that even though scenic Hudson had no economic or property interests, it did have standing. It had the right to sue.
3: It essentially opened the doors of the federal courts and later the state courts to litigation by environmental groups that had a connection. Well,
1: this was big, a major turning point. It was no longer just about the money. Scenic beauty and wildlife were given protection right alongside business and commerce. It opened up an entirely new way for groups and ordinary citizens to fight development happening in their own backyard. The National Environmental Policy Act was passed four years later. Modern environmental law was born. Pick up a newspaper any day of the week and it's likely that you can still see the impact of this case. But Storm King and the Hudson River were not saved. Even as citizen groups across the country began to use the law to protect scenic beauty and natural resources, the threat to Storm King Mountain and the Hudson River remained, and it would take 16 more years of court proceedings and congressional investigations before the battle was over. Then, finally, on December 19th, 1980, representatives from 11 environmental government and utility groups signed what later became known as the Hudson River Peace Treaty.
3: That someday, though maybe not this year, my Hudson River will once again run clear.
1: In the end, each side gave up something. Con Ed abandoned the Storm King project completely and donated the 500-acre site as a park. Environmental groups reduced the steps that Con Ed needed to take at its existing power plants in the Hudson to protect the striped bass. But the battle was over. The Hudson River once more gave birth to a new era in American history. Citizens groups that formed in response to the Storm King case continue today. Seneca Hudson, River Keeper, the Clearwater Sloop, and the Hudson River Foundation all guard the river well. And although much still needs to happen to clean up the Hudson, every day citizen groups across the country depend upon the precedent set from the 1965 case Scenic Hudson versus the Federal Power Commission. The nation and the Hudson River. Have won.
2: So I've personally taken my kids swimming in the Hudson. I swim in the Hudson myself without fear. That's a huge transformation from what the river was in my childhood. In the
3: water's clear, but I live right at Beacon here, halfway between the
0: mountains and the sea. Storm Over the Mountain came to us from the Sound and Story Project. It was narrated and mixed by Jim Mexner and produced and edited by Eileen McCann. Up
3: my dirty stream Still I love it and I'll dream That someday, though maybe not this year My Hudson River and my country will run clear